0: Welcome to From the Bronx with Love, a podcast where we explore pop culture, food, music, and as a bonus, random rants all done with a multicultural lens. We're your hosts, Karen and Dom. Welcome everyone to this lovely podcast. Dom, are you there?
1: Hi. Hi. Yes, I'm here. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Doing good hmm how are we holding up with the um uh electrolytes after a day of um drinking and swimming and eating? Oh, how are we geez. holding up So I didn't drink that much
0: because I knew I wanted to be in the pool most of the time Mm-hmm. uh and then my arms are sore <gasps> oh, yeah. yeah, I swam too much well okay I don't think I've ever mentioned this on a podcast. I don't know how to swim. (laughs) And so my friend was actually teaching me, but it was hilarious because when I first went into the pool, so there's an area of the pool that's deeper. I think it's like, I I can't remember if it's seven or eight feet deep. And so when I first went into that side, I had a life, a life vest and two noodles. Mm -hmm. Like I was Not about to just sink into that pool, yeah. And then slowly, like I I start, I I lost one noodle, then the other one, and then I just had the vest on. We tried taking off my vest, but it was like a while where I was just like, like fighting for my life. Mm -hmm. So I decided to just keep the vest on because I felt more comfortable. So yeah, I did a few laps. And now
1: my arms are killing me. <laughs> That's awesome that you're, um, you are learning how to swim. I know how to do just a few, probably not even a few, half laps, maybe a quarter laps. Okay. <laughs> um, and I, um, uh, I'm self taught. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I found a pretty good video on YouTube that like. Oh tells you it's like from the Swedish like national swim team. I don't know. It's a European video. But uh-huh. like they um they tell you they like give you like drills basically on how to breathe properly. So I did that. I worked a lot about on my like breathing and then like having your body um just like suspended before doing any more movement and then you like work in unison with your arms and your legs.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm still
1: not great, though.
0: So then when it came time to actually be in a pool, you just remembered all of what you had watched in the video? Yeah. Oh,
1: that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not great. Okay. And I still get scared because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to drown. But you don't need a vest. Oh, no. Yeah, I didn't go in with a vest. Oh, you see, and I still need one. I mean, just because I didn't go in with it doesn't mean I don't need it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But then I think you're better than I am.
1: I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to host a podcast live from the pool. (laughs) Since most of the Instagram pictures and stories are from the pool anyways.
0: I know. Lately, I've been posting a lot of pool pictures. But trust me, guys, I'm not in a pool every single day. Like, no, that's not. My life, okay. Uh huh. Wink, wink.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but what about you, Dom? Did you do anything? I slept, and that was all I needed. Wonderful. Yeah, I um, slept. I don't even think I caught up on any shows, which I what? know there's a specific, particular show I should be catching up on. I've been <laughs> telling you. We, we know this. I'm still not going to get fired from the podcast though. So, (laughs) um, so it was really just like a Zen time for me, despite people wouldn't think like the 4th of July being a Zen time with all the fireworks and whatnot. Um, and all the activity, but there isn't like a lot of, um, activity where I'm at. And, um, Usually fireworks, I ha- you have to like go to a park to see them, and I don't live near any parks. Oh, got it. Yeah, so it was it was pretty zen for me.
0: Nice. So your parents don't do anything either, right? No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Even I mean, though like- we are all citizens, technically American. My parents are citizens as well, right?
0: We do activities on that day because mostly everyone has the day off. Mm-hmm. But it's not like we're super patriotic with our flags and whatever. No, it's just like, oh, it's a day off? Okay, let's get together and have some fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, my mom works in uh, the medical field, so she did not have the day off. Oh. Yeah, so there's that. Yeah, so we she, don't grill. it was a regular day for her. Yeah. We don't grill. We've never grilled.
0: Never ever?
1: No, despite having a front, backs, and two side yards. Yes! You have so much space. I know. (gasps) Wow. I know. Well, where I went... We don't grill. We don't have a patio. And no dog. Please rewrite my suburban childhood, because they're doing it wrong. You need a pool in there. Oh, God. I wish. (laughs) then my parents would like get sick of me then they'd have to kick me out and be like <laughs> no you can leave us now <laughs> and speaking
0: of 4th of July mm-hmm. isn't it ironic that we're celebrating it during
1: these times i don't know if it's entirely ironic for us just because like you mentioned we don't Well, yeah, that's true. We don't don't, hold, at least we don't hold the ideals of a very xenophobic faction of this country. Um, But it is, I don't know if I would say that it's ironic. I would just say it's flat out, like, like, um, I would say depressing, that yeah, I think the president. in the 242 years, and I don't give a shit if I get that number wrong. Um, <laughs> but in the years that in the existence of this country, um, and there's been awful things that has happened. Like this country was built on the backs of slaves. Yeah, and um, the whole reason how this country expanded was through theft of Native and Mexican land. Um, yes. It's just, like, it's cyclical, almost. It's, like, they never learn. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, all of this, and I don't know if it's because we're adults and we're in it, and it's, like, far, a far cry from, like, knowing this from history books. And, like, I remember growing up and watching Roots and... um learning about the Atlantic slave trade and also civil rights and saying that like, I feel like, even though I'm not like outwardly rebellious, I feel like I really have a rebellious streak with me. So I would always say like, especially if I lived during the fifties, I'd be like, I would be out there protesting and marching. Yeah, And like, it's one thing to say that. And now living in the time you're like, Oh my God, like, you realize, like, the climate and the landscape of this country where you're like, I thought we left this in the past. I thought we worked through this. I thought we had marches and we had protests and we had legislation. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I got really into that because it's just, like, i just, like, been thinking lately how, like, um... Like, you inte- intellectualize things, but it's still very separate from head and heart. Yeah. And now we're in a moment where it's very much head and heart. Like, we understand the policies and we see it. And, like, how can you not be affected by it?
0: Exactly. Yeah, I, I think about that a lot. It takes an emotional toll because you,
1: you feel like you, even
0: though you try to do something to help out, you feel like it's not enough. And, you know, thousands of families are being separated. And so, I don't know. It's just so devastating seeing those little kids crying for their parents and knowing that they, their parents didn't commit any crime. They're just out here trying to look for a better life for them, for their kids. And they're being treated as if, like, they committed the worst of crimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, there's so much to be said. Um, and there's a lot going around, but I would say, um, one seeking asylum isn't illegal. And let's say these people aren't seeking asylum and they just went across the border. Human life isn't illegal. (laughs) It doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? We don't really need to parse like the very, like, legality of someone's humanity yes um and like the fact that so like part of the reasons why it's been so it's been so pervasive and it's like we it's like every day we see in the news that something's happening is because I believe on May 7th 2018 um no Miro's best friend Mm-hmm. Jeff Sessions, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> he announced that he is going to have a zero tolerance policy with anyone crossing the border. And as a result, families are separated. So there isn't an actual like policy that's like, hey, we're taking your children away. It's um, they made it illegal. So then when you're charged as a family or like you have a child, parents are naturally separated from their child and held in a different facility while their parents, the parents are being um, charged and processed and prosecuted. Yeah. And then these children are now being labeled unaccompanied minors. Uh, yes. minors and this is state sanctioned kidnapping.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I, I believe it has been happening. Well, when did you say that, um,
1: I know the zero-tolerance policy since May 7th, but I think it's been happening kind of under the radar since October 2017. Yeah, that's what I
0: knew, yes, since October. And it's been at least 2,700 children that Mm -hmm. have been separated from their parents. Yeah. That is a lot of children. Yes. But actually, I was keeping up with, you know, some podcasts that I follow as well mm-hmm. as other pages. And I'm going to send a shout out to this Instagram. It, the name is Loquita Bath and Body. So she sells soaps and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And she was the one that posted about this particular podcast, which is CBC Podcast. And the particular I guess uh series that she was highlighting was the one called finding Cleo. Okay. And so this is about how children in the 1970s were separated from their families. But in this particular podcast episode, they follow Cleo's family. So she was her and her siblings were taken away from their parents. Well, from their mom. And so The kids were taken away by welfare workers in Canada. And then each of the siblings were adopted by different families in the US. Now this particular girl, Cleo, eventually like her her siblings lost track of her. Like they they weren't 100% sure where she had been adopted. And so the reporter helps one of the sisters track down exactly what happened to Cleo and then they end up with the conclusion that Khalil was giving for adoption in New Jersey. Wow. Now, not only did I was hooked with this um, particular podcast, because not only do they explain like the inconsistency of details that they had, and how every time the sister would call to check in on the case, they would give her some kind of excuse that would just lead her on. And then it's like, okay, call tomorrow. Oh, um, you're missing this. So we can not give you that information and we need the parents to request that file. So every single time, they were not giving her exact details. And then because they were reporting on this particular case, eventually pieces of the puzzle came together and it shows how, I think like how inconsiderate the government was and also careless. And I forgot to mention this, but this particular family, they were Native Americans. Oh, my God. Yeah. So then they said that obviously their case was not the only one. Like several other Native American families were just broken up. And then they would advertise in like such a horrendous way. Basically, it's like, oh, here are children for adoption. Just like right next to, um, you know, used chairs or whatever. Like oh they, they advertised this in the papers. And so most of the Native American kids would go to American families. And then eventually when the families wanted to track down where their kids were, the government files were so inconsistent that they just were never, never able to track down where their kids went. But you should really listen to this, uh, this particular case because yeah. not only does it talk about, you know, the whole process, of how kids were given for adoption back then in the 1970s. But it also Mm -hmm. talks eventually of like the psychological effects that this family separation had on all the siblings. Yeah. And so you think about it now and then you're like, okay, in a few years we're going to have the same situation because so many kids are being separated from their parents now at such young age, like they have like two year olds in there. And so This is like a lifelong trauma and they know exactly what they're doing because they've done it in the past.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just like a long, ever since, I want to say like colonial (laughs) times, it's a long history of just taking children of color and... Ripping them from their families and completely destabilizing the family familial unit for generations to come, degrading the whole family structure for people of color and taking future generations, completely traumatizing them and trying to insert what they think is right for the child so that they're, you know, more anglicized or americanized or s- something to that effect
0: it sounds like you listened to this particular podcast that i'm talking about because that's exactly what one of the sisters said she was like they they took us away they like from what we knew from our culture and they try to raise us within their culture but we couldn't assimilate because we knew where we came from and we couldn't understand why we were separated
1: mm-hmm you know, that's a, that's a particular case, but I know just in history overall, it, like you mentioned that they knew that they weren't the only ones. Yeah. It's like, it's upsetting to hear such a personal account mm-hmm. that it's also upsetting to know that they're right. They aren't the only ones. And the fact exactly. that I could like, I could call from what I know from history and say, oh my God, it's like, you listen to the same thing. I'm like, no, I didn't. I just... I know that it's history, like, this is one of the building blocks of the society, of yeah. American society. And, like, that is also equally is upsetting.
0: Yeah, it is. And the thing is that the one of the siblings said, like, we were able to track down my sister because, you know, we, we followed up so many times. And then the reporter also did her investigation on her end. And that's how they ended up finding out exactly what happened to their sister. But not everyone has the same luck, I guess. And perhaps they never reunited with their family.
1: God, that's so fucking awful. It is. I feel like you and I, as decent, moral human beings, that I'm saying, like putting ours on ourselves on like this. Um, or being really self righteous because I'm absolutely against that, and religiosity in general, oh right, but I think, as like people with eyes, a soul, and hearts and emotional intelligence, we can see that that there is nothing wrong trying to find a better life for your children yes, that is that I feel like for the longest time, should have gone without saying, like, wait, how, like, how, like, people need to be reacting to this in the same way that we feel. Yeah. No. (laughs) No. And then the thing is that
0: uh, I've been reading comments, you know, when, you know, news comes up and some people, the one that I hear always is why didn't they just stay in their country? Um, of course they would have stayed in their country if the fucking U.S. had not been there causing, like, for example, like, basically they were funding MS-13. And that is why a lot of families have to flee from their country, because their lives are in danger.
1: And lest we forget, MS-13 is an American creation. Exactly. It is born out of Los Angeles, California not um where where is it's el salvador right yeah that's the main base not in el salvador it's people who are like us it was like first generation el salvadorians yes living in los angeles creating a gang
0: mm-hmm. and, and then eventually were, those people were deported and then that's how they continued yeah and so, of course, people would stay in their country if the situation was not horrible for their, for their kids as well. And then they have no means of how to feed their kids, how to give them a good education. And then the thing that worries me is that, okay, the kids are separated from their parents. How do we know where these kids end up?
1: Like someone really has to keep track of these kids yes so they you bring up a really good point they are severely understaffed and even in the staff they have no child care services or if they do, very little. Do they have trained people to just take care of children? No. You know why? Mm-hmm. You know how I know this? Because I hear and I read reports that children are taking care of children. They're yes. t- like literally changing each other's diapers because there's no one there to take care of them. And so, one, they're not keeping track of these children, like keeping it like a database of like, okay, yeah. this baby goes to this group of parents. No. And, there are people who are understaffed, underworked. It's a terrible, terrible, immoral com- um, not company. But it's a immoral institution, institution. In, in general. So these people have no heart. They're so, they're trained to see people coming in here as illegal and as criminals. Yeah. So they're not going to treat them like human beings. So there's like so many levels and layers of like just dehumanization and abuse and it just opens up to more abuse yes and this
0: just also reminds me about another podcast episode that i heard and this is from radio ambulante have you heard of that mm-hmm. particular podcast? i have yes so this was an episode that came out i would say probably like about two and a half months ago mm-hmm. and this is a particular case about kids that were lost during the Volcano eruption. It's called Armero. So the, voca- the volcanic eruption happened in Armero, Colombia. Mm-hmm. And so this was back in November of 1985. And so when this happened, several children were lost. But then instead of the government trying to find their parents, they were just transferred to other places. And then after decades, obviously, these kids grew up and they realized that the family that they were with was not like them. And then eventually, after a lot of investigation, they realized that some kids were given up for adoptions, either to wealthier families in Colombia or families in Spain. Oh, my God. And as well here is where the inconsistency goes from the government. Apparently they had this book where they claimed that they were keeping track of all the kids. But now after, you know, several investigations that have happened since then, the book is inconsistent. They, they didn't update it well enough. It's missing pages. The dates are not accurate. And obviously if kids were adopted there's a chance that their name could have been changed. Right. So no one ever updated that book. Right. And eventually the kids ended up finding their parents once they were older. And then I, if I'm not mistaken, through social media, that's how they, they started posting about their stories. And they were like, yes, I was this age when the volcano eruption happened. I, I From what I remember, I used to live here, da, da, da. Some of them were lucky enough and had pictures from when when they were younger and they were able to post those pictures and eventually reunite with families. Mm -hmm. But others didn't get as lucky. And so once again, here is the government proving that they are not capable of bringing these babies back to their families.
1: Yeah. Also, with the... The adoption, I know. I said the when they separate the children and label them unaccompanied minors, it's um uh, state-sanctioned kidnapping. But it's also putting children into foster care or whatever. Like General Kelly said, who I have major issues with. He's been sent to him multiple times on the show, so I won't. I will spare you guys from a rant. <laughs> um. Or, like, just be adopted. That is trafficking. It is. Yes. Because there is no way that you have hundreds and hundreds of loving, and I'm using quote marks, loving families who want to just snatch up, like, these no. children who are Trump. No, 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 no. I know so many so many children are either going to be adopted and like you said, probably whitewashed and have their yes. culture completely erased from them. And then there are going to be children who are going to be adopted for like labor and like, yeah. God knows what else. There was a case about that. And I
0: can't remember where I heard about this, but uh, this particular family, I think in like some town over in like Louisiana, somewhere around there. They just adopted kids to use them as labor. Yeah. And then they they lived in really bad conditions. And apparently somehow the government had no idea this was going on. Of course not. Like, how are you not going to know? Don't you go and like inspect the place before you give kids up for adoption? Like, I know of a few people that have tried to adopt kids, but there's like pages and pages of requirements. So then how is it that, like, all of a sudden you didn't know this was going on? So either they didn't do their job correctly or they just really put no effort into it and didn't care.
1: Yeah. Now, at this point, this is, like, one of the most egregious displays of government um, ineptitude and just, like, yeah, ineptitude and its callousness, and that is through the very making design of the this this um this presidency and this yeah. administration. I do want to give a no, or like I I do want to say though it's this presidency and what they've been doing and ratcheting up this just like separating children and basically having concentration camps on the border mm-hmm. is God awful. And I think the worst I've ever, I've ever known, like obviously in my 20 young 26 years, nothing like that has ever been so prev like prevalent or like I've known about this, but immigration policies in America have long been really awful so I want to say that because one thing has been bad or not the greatest especially with the previous president who was well, let's face it nicknamed deporter in chief like I'm not just because I lean towards a certain party and I like I'm absolutely against this administration doesn't mean I'm not going to call out the faults of the previous ones. Um, I think as people, we should know that things can be bad and things can be really freaking worst. And Mm -hmm. this we're in the worst part ever. Um, I do want to make that note, like that everyone who like a lot of people on Twitter and especially, like, the self-identified, like, resistance Twitters. are uh-huh. like, this has never been America. America has never been like this. We oh. do not separate children. Mm. It's like, you know you know the pearl-clutching sector yes. of yeah. Twitter? Mm-hmm. And it's only based on emotion and, like, their only scope of America. And these are people who probably became really political November, 2016. <laughs> and I'm kind of one of those people. I'm not the pro clutching, but I did become, I've always like, as long as you've known me, I've always been in tuned yeah. and tapped in, but I'm actually more vocal since November, 2016, but we can't be fooling ourselves and saying like, this is not America, especially with you telling the story about finding Cleo, right? Is it? Yes. Finding Cleo. Finding Cleo, you understanding and having the historical context know, like, this is kind of ingrained in the fabric of this country. So these people were like, we never separate children from, like, what do you think What was happening during chattel slavery when they were taking, like, young oh, yes. boys away from their mothers and fathers because the younger they are, they can start out in a different plantation and grow into being slaves and they can grow stronger and, and work faster. Like, what did you think was going on there? That What do you mean this is not America? Well, I just had a question for you sure. within, um, the, the things that you've been keeping up with. And I think that's great that there's resources, um, there's been three times in speaking with you that I've noticed that social media has been pretty integral in helping, um, immigrant undocumented communities. But, um, what have you noticed, uh, in terms of like the resources that they're providing for people to help or like anything just, I know, I feel like anything. Cause oh. now we're at a point where like it, we're at a point where yes, it's really gratifying to tweet out like this is unacceptable and abolish ice, but like what you, you can only get so far doing that. Yeah, exactly. And so good good thing you asked because
0: this is a particular organization, I guess, that I want to highlight. Mm-hmm. And they are called raíces. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. not sure if you've seen them on social media. I have heard of them, yes. Yeah. So they actually, if and we're going to leave the, the link in the show notes, but they actually started a fundraiser in order to, um, this particular fundraiser is to help immigrants pay for a lawyer when it's time to go to the judge. And so they're trying to raise from what I can see here, they're trying to raise 25,000. So far, they are around, at about 20,000. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, they started this um, on June 18th. And oh, so ever wow. since then, they, they've, they've had this goal of 25,000.
1: That's incredible.
0: hmm Yep. So now people have, uh, you know, they're they're represented well when they have their hearing, and hopefully they also are able to reunite them with their kids,
1: and yeah. Wow. Okay, I'm really happy that you shared that with yeah. uh, This is the one that I have in the listeners. I was going to say viewers. Yeah, this is the
0: particular one that I've been seeing a lot on social media. And I looked into it further because, you know, I don't know. I feel like during difficult times, there are people that want to help. And then there are others that just want to scam. Yeah. And so I wanted to be be sure that this particular organization actually helps, you know, immigrants. Yeah. So I'm going to leave the link so that you can donate I mean, it's up to you how much you want to donate, but just know that this is a great way of helping families that really need help right now, because obviously they're here in a country where they don't speak the language. Not everyone probably knows someone that's already been living here. And so this really helps them out in order to fight for for their
1: case. That's amazing. I'm wondering, and maybe I can do more research, but I'm going to put this out there for any of the listeners. Please DM me, hit me up on Twitter or um, us on Instagram. Just reply on any of the pool um, images that Karen posts. Um, But I'm wondering if there is also a group of lawyers um, who are doing something Because I know I've been listening to um, one lawyer Mm -hmm. uh, on Twitter. His name is uh, Yakima Abogado. Did I say it right? Yes. Um, And he works in uh, Washington State. His name is Stephen Robbins. And he has a podcast called The Redirect, which is, like, very comprehensive um, immigration law. Okay. And he works with – he – I don't know if it's continually these are his clients, but I know he has worked with a um, migrant workers. Okay. And um, I'm wondering if maybe there is, like, a group of, like, lawyers who are, you know, or just, like, there's just people who can provide law advice and work pro bono, and if they're heading down to the border, and, like, is there any way that there's out there for people to support? So Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So I'm wondering, um, I know I've been listening to lawyers, um, but I haven't heard anything like this. Um, and it just popped into my head. So Uh, if anyone heard, yeah. So anyone hears anything about this and I will obviously do my due diligence. Just let me know and I will keep us in mind. Yeah. So we can boost. I also would encourage our listeners, and and your our listeners encourage their network, and their network encourage their network. Just tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to read this book by Valeria Luiselli. Um, It's called "Tell Me How It Ends," and it recounts the 2014 um, influx of unaccompanied minors from Central. America, yeah, and she talks about the court process, which I'm sure is probably even worse now, um, just aggravated purely by American policy. Um, I would encourage people to read that. Um,
0: yeah, that book really gives you an insight as to like what happens with kids once they are here.
1: I also would look into translation services. I know. Oh, yes. During the time where there was an influx of Haitian migrants crossing through the Mexican border after Hurricane Matthew, they needed a couple of people who spoke Creole. And that is probably a lot harder to find on the border than Spanish. But still, yeah. if you speak Spanish... And maybe some of them also need um, indigenous speakers as well, because it's not always people who are native Spanish speakers, but it's also indigenous people with different languages that cross the border. Am I correct? Yes, you're correct. So whatever you can do, if you really do feel like how we felt when we're like, oh my God, like. What can we do crushing under the weight of the news? Mm-hmm. There are things that are out there. I would say read, really study up, learn the policy, understand what's going on and the context, and like listen to that podcast that carries. No, was- yeah,
0: I highly recommend it. It, it really does. It, it, there's, a, I think, about eight or 10 episodes, and they walk through the whole investigation and. The, the siblings talk about how they felt when they were separated from their family and what effect it had on them in the long run.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So read and listen and educate yourselves and then reach yes. out. And if you can donate money, donate money. If you yes. can boost places that can donate that are doing fundraisers do so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause this, I want. I don't want to be such a Debbie Downer because it is really, really um, in French when something's really bad, mm-hmm. they would call it grave. Is it grave? Yeah, basically. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Situation <laughs> grave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's it's hard. It wears on you, and it's a burden on your soul. And as much as it it weighs on your soul. You can't even imagine how it is yeah. with people who are actually going through it. Yes. Um, and despite this, I'm still very, I wouldn't say optimistic, but I know that there is just such a coalition behind stopping this. Yeah. Before it gets harder and more chaotic. Yeah. Um, I know that there's such a coalition behind it that I feel like there's a little bit of hope. And I also feel like because we understand the toll it's taking on people that we need to be here welcoming arms wide open to this generation so they're not completely lost and deteriorated by trauma.
0: You said it perfectly. I really don't have anything else to add to
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) I really do think so. Like we can't, we can, we're doing all we can to stop it and help people. But like, we can't like, when that's done, we can't be like, it's done. We really need to remember and however way that we can just support a generation of like we have a lost generation like these children are not going to be okay I feel like now because
0: there are many platforms out there it's more transparent and the government will actually be held accountable as to what is happening to all these babies out there that are being separated And so we already know how in the past they've done a terrible job keeping families together or if kids were given up for adoption, they do a terrible job at keeping records. And so now all these platforms out there can keep them
1: accountable. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think you make such a good point that yes, the platforms can keep... um, what is happening accountable because it is so in our consciousness as opposed to like maybe if you were probably in abolitionist circles in the 1800s, you would know this. Yeah. But if you were in an everyday American who believes in American exceptionalism, this would not have affected you. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, this is really in our American societal consciousness yes, because of these platforms who are holding this administration accountable. Perfect. Mm -hmm.
0: And I hope they continue to do it and put even more pressure on them because it's not right to just separate kids. And then it's like, Oh, we don't know where they are.
1: Yeah.
0: Well then why the hell in the first place did you separate them from their family? If you knew you were not capable of taking care of them and make sure that they were Okay. I don't have anything else to add just because I feel really strongly about this particular topic. And whenever I try to put my ideas together, I just end up rambling.
1: No, I think we're going to end with you and what you said about transparency. Cause that's good.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah. This is all from our side and we kind of like kept it short simply because we wanted to give you guys information And also please remember that what we mentioned during the podcast will be in the, in the info box, as well as the podcast that we referenced from CBC podcast and Radio Ambulante. So if you want to go listen to those episodes, we're going to leave the links in the info box. So please remember to subscribe and stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. Bye guys. Bye.
1: podcast was executive produced by Karen Almonte. You can follow us on social media to keep up with your favorite Bronx ladies. From the Bronx with love is part of Anthology House Media.